Have you ever been around a child that has a hard time listening and following instructions? They may also fidget a lot. They may have ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. It can be completely frustrating for the adult as well as the child. I wanted to learn as much as I could about it, so I asked my friend, Dr. Erica Goodwin, to come on the show and talk about her latest book, which addresses the topic. I'm Coach B. Moore. Welcome to Coach B. Daily, brought to you by eatingforabs.com. In this podcast, I share information that will help us address our health, athletic performance, and body composition goals more efficiently. If you're enjoying this podcast, here's my ask. Share this with someone you care about. This show is here to help us live longer, happier lives. So press the share button. Also, for guidance and accountability, getting healthy and in the best shape of your life, visit eatingforabs.com. I asked you to come on today because of your second book, How Amari Learned to Love School Again, a story about ADHD. This book fascinates me. We're going to get into that a little bit. I want to hear about uh, your your thought process, your your involvement in the group and all that stuff. And I want to share the journey of creating this book and, you know, what the thought process was with everyone listening. Let's start a book back. The first okay. book was an adult book, Mind Matters. And right. you, you write in a collective of psychiatrists on key issues for, would you say it's for African-American families? Uh, yes. What, um, what we came together to do was to create a black mental wealth movement. So our products, even though they're books and it's information a lot of people can use, they're specifically targeted targeted to the black community, especially black families and black support systems. Okay. So everyone is a collective of you guys are the Wu-Tang of psychiatry. There's 10 of you. Yes. <laughs> Wu-Tang for life. <laughs> we and ready. You, and you collaborate <laughs> on each project so far. Yes, it's I, I swear we probably have somebody for almost every member. <laughs> right, right. Now you got one extra. You got one extra. Wu-Tang was nine. You guys are 10. You deep space 10. I love no, the it. Only, but one difference is we don't all smoke weed. <laughs> not, all, not all of you. Not all now, of I you. Think, I don't think any of us do weed. I, I think we're all pretty clean like that. Oh, okay, good. Who knew? Right. And yeah, that's a whole side topic. We're going to stay the course. The first book was a series of... I guess everyone picked a chapter or an essay about a mental health topic. And I was immediately drawn to the ADHD discussion. And there was a couple uh, chapters, I recall. Uh, one had to do with uh, diagnosis and another one was about the medications. Mm-hmm. So I did not read that book from cover to cover. I picked and chose. Did you at least choose my chapter? Of, did you of read course. My chapter? You, you were the first one. So I, I just checked because I, I, <laughs> I didn't do the ADHD chapter. Right. So I just got a chance. So those are the three. Right. Exactly. The second book is a children's book. So the first one is for parents. Uh, the second one, to me, is also for parents, which is funny. It's, it's couched as a children's book, but this, is, this has been an experience in my household. But before we get to my household, wow. tell me about the early discussions. When you guys were done with book one, you said, okay, we're going to do our second project. How did you come about the children's book route? Okay. So for you that... You listeners that may not be familiar, our collective of 10 passionate black psychiatrists is called Global Health Psychiatry, LLC. 
And we did the first book. It came out. We were so excited, realized that it had even more reach and more applications than we originally imagined because we imagined it from the concept was it was going to be a book that, you know, you could use, that it would be similar to sitting in the in the kitchen with any one of us with a beer, a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, glass of wine. And if you could ask a psychiatrist anything you could think of, that's what that book was. Mm-hmm. And when it came out and we received so much, so much love, a large portion of us, um, there are multiple ones of us in the group that are child psychiatrists also. Um, Everyone's not necessarily familiar with the training that all of us have, but to be a child psychiatrist, you have to train an adult first. So all of us that see kids are also board certified in adult. And we were all sitting talking and since one of our goals was to empower the community and empower families that it was a natural progression that the next thing would be a children's book because originally we were kind of tossing around ideas. You know, do we need to do a book for other ethnicities, include other things? What do we need to do? And we kind of came up on that. We have something to say. People are wondering what to do with children, how to get them services. Also how to help our children be healthy because sometimes it's not even about having a mental health issue, just sometimes people need a little help getting over the hump of being healthy to be their best self. So we decided let's do a children's book. So we actually got together in a group. We broke up into small groups and every small group was tasked to coming up with a topic and some just brief story ideas. Okay. And what ended up happening is number one, we all decided that Everybody wants to know about ADHD. One of the things we noticed is when we went to talk, if we were talking anywhere, there was always a large amount of questions on ADHD, um, from what are the medications to what actually is ADHD to what's going on in the schools. So we realized that if we thought about, if we're doing a children's book, what topic to do first, it just naturally was ADHD because that seems to be something that's affecting so many people and people have so many questions about so we did the small groups and ADHD one. I think it's great. I think it was a smart choice. I don't know what the other books uh, topic options were. I don't want to know. I'm going to wait till the books come out. <laughs> we're going to find out one by one. <laughs> uh, the cool thing about this book, I know it's written by a, a, a group of experts. Number one, it's beautifully illustrated. Number two. Um, and then you have a section in the back where an index would be in a regular, like a textbook and issues that weren't, that maybe were, um, let's say tangential issues are addressed in the back. You have a Q and a in the back that covers all the questions that I had reading the book. It's oh, fantastic. It yeah. It's I'm great. So excited. It's great. You know what? I was the project lead on this book, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that you're getting a lot of the concept of the book because the concept was we, one is something that was more than just a children's book. So we we did this children's book. You know, we wanted it to be something that would talk about things related to ADHD in a way that a child could relate to it, but also to be something done in a story that was vibrant enough that a child would want to hear it over and over again. Because one of the things is I didn't want this book to be a book that lived in a doctor's office. Right. Or that, you know, I think everyone's had an experience where there's a children's book that a kid hears it once and then they're done. They do not want to hear that suck again. Mm -hmm. That one time was good. 
So we wanted something that captured their attention that they could relate to. And the other thing where there, there are things in that portion of the book that a child, even without ADHD, could relate to. And then we we were one of the things with wanting to have a black mental wealth movement was we wanted to utilize black talent. So we found this phenomenal illustrator out of Chicago named Tyrus Gaucher, and he did our illustrations. And one of the things I love about him is that he truly is an artist and that the art is gorgeous. It's full page art. We made sure that the characters didn't all look like the same character with just different hair (laughs) and and could reflect a wide variety of things that people could relate to. And then the secret sauce is the parent guide, which is the Q&A portion. And the parent guide was also inspired by our first book, Mind Matters, because it literally is laid out in the same format as the other book, because the other book is a Q&A. We wanted it to be in regular people language, not in medical language, so that people could actually understand it and utilize it. And what we did is we put questions, questions and answers that were common questions people would have that would go over, you know, what is ADHD? Who even evaluates for it? What looks like it? What do you do? How do you advocate for child in the community school at home, but to put all that in there so that someone's actually armed with tools with the idea that this would not be an exhaustive resource because let's, let's face it. You're not going to have a full reference book hidden in the children's book, right? but enough that people would have the information they need to get started. And also this book is designed to be a conversation starter. And that's the thing we've seen is that all of these conversations start. I realize I'm just going off the cuff here, but I remember when I took this book home, I went home to visit. It was before it was actually in print and I actually had the PDF copy on my iPad. Mm -hmm. And when I showed it to my family, they had this huge independent conversation that I had nothing to do with about ADHD just from reading this book. Right. And it's, it's been wonderful. I think that's going to happen over and over and over again. It's you guys have a, attacked the base of the pyramid. You know, you could have done a highbrow book, something that uh, is way more developed and you would have probably had fewer readers. But this book, this book has the key word that jumps off uh, in my head is approachable. You know, you have an approachable book that's going to meet people where they are and get them started in a discussion, which is exactly what happened in my house. So what happened in your house? You know, I've got a son, my oldest son, who you wrote the book about him. You wrote the book about, this could have been called How Amir Learned to Love School Again. Well, Amir right? is not that far from Amari. Right. That's what I'm saying. You can delete a letter and move one. And uh, so I, I got the book in the mail. You were gracious enough to send it and sign it for me, which is awesome. And I read through it. This is, you know, because I work from home most times. Uh, this was before they come home. And I'd finished it. I read the whole thing front to back, did a double on the, on the back, the index portion. And then it was on the table among other things, including my laptop. And I went back to work and the boys came home and I think I left the room. When I came back in the room, Amir was like three quarters away done reading the book. Now, if I put any other book on the table, he's not going (laughs) to read the book. He read this book. And so the thing about that is, I didn't tell him to go look at it. He looked at it. Now, here's the crazy part. Maybe my son and I have a lot of uh, common, common, uh, commonalities. I may be undiagnosed ADHD. 
I don't know. Who knows? I probably have a lot of the traits, but I've probably got a lot of coping mechanisms. This dude, who I know, <laughs> because we've had to meet with his teachers every year. We've curved the classroom for him, right? We've we've done a lot of the behavioral things at home, you know, uh, to kind of change his environment every single year with his teachers about, you know, his his undiagnosed ADHD, right? Uh, this dude reads the book, then turns to me and says, is this book about you? I was like, fool, <laughs> you, <laughs> you need to look in the mirror. It's about you, but that's okay. I guess it's about us, you know? <laughs> so that was an interesting moment. And, and, and I really enjoyed the book. The, the journey of, uh, Amari as it's titled pretty much how Amari learned it's titled about him, but I find the story tells some, it shows that, you know, what the parents are feeling, what the doctor, the doctor's a key character, the teacher's a key character. And it's, it's approachable and it's fantastic. You guys have done a wonderful job and it, and it feels nice. I love this cover. It's like oh, a velvet, thank you. a velvet soft cover. It feels great. Um, what I wanted to do is go to the index because I think, and I, I know I'm putting you on the spot. Some of these questions are questions that people listening will have. They're questions that I had. So I don't mind if you read them verbatim, if I ask you some of the questions, or if you want to answer off the cuff. Okay. Either way. Are you okay with that? Yes. I'm not going to do each one, but there are a couple key questions that I kind of tabbed that I'm like, you know what? This would be a great explanation to hear from you. What is, what is ADHD in a nutshell? So in a nutshell, and I'm glad you picked that question. Part of the reason is because people call ADHD so many things and there's a lot of confusion, partially because if you are not a mental health care provider, you don't know that we have this one book that's like a diagnostic Bible. They call it DSM. It stands for Diagnostic Statistical Manual. And mm -hmm. every couple of years, there's a new one. And at one time, there was an ADD listed. What confuses people now is what's in the current ones is ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, with specifications for different types, predominantly hyperactive, predominantly inattentive, or a combination of both. Mm -hmm. And instead of saying ADD and leaving the H off, you just kind of say what subtype it is at the back. Okay, so, so I won't typically find ADD and ADHD. ADHD is the new right. nomenclature for ADD. It is, but all of us understand that someone says, I got ADHD, I got ADD, that we know that's what right. they mean, you know. So, right. But if you search it, you'll usually find it on the internet, but, you know, if you look at some more specific things, you'll see ADHD. But, you know, so the first thing is just keeping in mind that it's really all the same thing, that when people talk about ADD and then someone returns back to them talking about ADHD. It's still functionally the same thing. So, okay. so there are a couple of key things in the definition, which is someone has a combination of things that demonstrate difficulty paying attention um, and or hyperactivity along oftentimes with impulsivity. So you'll have issues with people not being able to focus, not following directions, um, especially with young people. And it happens with adults with it too, in, interrupting people, like having difficult times waiting their turn, taking long to complete tasks, 
you know, this is a, the kiddo that is not finishing their work in class and is stuck in research in recess, still doing their work, or it takes mm-hmm. them too long to do their tests. You know, their home and their homework seems to take way too long. You know, you notice they're they're getting up, they're they're tapping their fingers, they're tapping their feet, they're doing everything but paying attention. Um, you tell them to do a couple of things, and this is the kid that you say, "Go brush your teeth." And on the way through the living room, they see the TV and they get totally distracted. Right. <laughs> also, impulsivity, like not thinking, doing risk-taking behavior, like jumping off furniture with no cares, um, to making silly mistakes on work because they aren't paying enough attention and reading all the details. They're constantly moving, kind of like the Energizer Bunny. They just don't seem to stop. That can be the kid that's literally running around or the kid that just literally can't sit still. They're just constantly, constantly fidgeting. So one thing is there can be a a range of these activities, a range of these types Mm -hmm. of symptoms. And then, but the key word for all of this is there's a magic word for psychiatry and the magic word is impairment. So someone might be like, well, no kids sit still. Well, there are times a lot of kids don't sit still, but does your kid sit not sitting still cause a problem? Because there are times you could fidget. I don't have ADHD, but my toes are moving right now. But I'm not hyperactive. And young right. kids are active. You know, if you looked at any two-year-old, they're not going to be just sitting still. But part of it is the level of impairment. How much does this get in the way of you doing what you need to do? You know, is is this child so active and can't pay attention that is to the point where you feel like you can't even go to church or a children's church just can't tolerate, can't tolerate them anymore. Or your kids so far all, all over the place that all your family looks at you sideways and you end up staying home. Or you can't seem to get a babysitter because no one can tolerate your kid. Or your kid keeps getting sus- the equivalent of suspended from daycare. You know, those are levels of impairment or you know your child is intelligent, but for some reason they're not getting their work done. Or you're you're like, oh my God, this kid started doing their homework when they got home from school and it's bedtime and they're still doing their homework. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 those kinds of things and what's getting in the way. So a lot of it is the impairment of it. Because if you take some of the symptoms out one by one, you know, any kid could have some of them. But it's okay. not necessarily enough to meet criteria or enough to have a level of impairment. So what percentage of the population are we thinking suffers from ADHD? And I know several are undiagnosed. I mean, just do we have a guesstimate? Um, a common statistic is that around three to five percent of school age children suffer from ADHD. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that makes it a little complicated is that there are a lot of things that kind of mimic each other, which is one of the reasons it's important to have someone that's skilled to evaluate a child so that you actually know what's going on so that you can actually target the interventions and help them. Because if you think a kid has ADHD and they're having poor attention because they have food scarcity and they're malnourished, well, sending them to a therapist to talk about behavioral strategies or having them on medication isn't really going to help that. Right. Get professional help. Right. Right. Why is it important to treat ADHD? One thing is it makes me think of 
an old Chris Rock skit. And I can't tell you which which HBO special it was. I might be dating myself because it was HBO, not a Netflix special. Okay. But he did this whole skit about low expectations. Mm. I can't say the whole skit because it is not radio friendly. Right. But part of it is is you want not just children because adults also have ADHD. You want anyone with ADHD to be reaching their full potential. So, you know, you'll see some kids that they could still get by. They aren't at their best. It's like looking at a child that's a C plus or a B student that could have been an A student. Do you want to settle for a B? Or do you want to settle for a child that may have some angst or some other things going on when we could get rid of it? So on one level, it's there's no reason for people to suffer needlessly. Okay. The next point, the next reason is there are things that people become a risk of with untreated ADHD. So one example is people with untreated ADHD actually can be at higher risk for substance use disorders. Mm. Another is untreated ADHD tends to lead to, especially for um, children that are hyperactive, it can lead to behavioral issues. So what ends up happening is, and we'll just kind of telescope it out to make an example. So we'll go back to Mari. Say Amari's having just behavioral issues. He can't sit in his seat. He's frustrated. You know, he's a little behind in his schoolwork because he wasn't paying attention. The things on the board don't totally make sense. So what do kids that, kids that are behind do? They start fidgeting. They start talking. Disengage. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're frustrated. Well, you know, a frustrated kid may act out. Well, when the child acts out, then what do you do to a kid that acts out? They leave class. So the best case scenario is they just go to the principal's office for a while and then they come back. The thing we do know happens is these kids sometimes will then get suspended. Well, what happens when you're suspended? You're not in class. Right. So you have a child that typically has a lower attention span, so it may take more for them to take in the information that's no longer in class. Right. So what do they do then? They get behind. When they get behind, what do they get? Frustrated, angry, and sad. What do they do then? Act out some more, which leads to them. This negative perpetuating cycle. Right. And then especially for black children is their acting out typically gets misperceived as something bigger. So black children have a higher possibility of having more severe discipline and also being expelled. Right. Or having things that would be typical school offenses be raised to a level that they're punitive and become legal and police are coming in. Mm. So then you end up with basically just having a straight line to the school to prison pipeline. So the other reason is you don't want a child ending up with unnecessary consequences and then having either legal issues or not completing school or just having a horrible time because it was untreated. And the the last point I'll make is school is where kids' highest amount of time and functioning is. So just like as adults, if we're unsuccessful at work, then we're frustrated or they may make us upset. Well, if a kid is not doing well in school, then you'll see times where not only does a child get frustrated and angry, but you can also see these children get anxious or depressed. 
and they're anxious or depressed because they're having difficulty with their school performance. And also these kids can get disciplined more because one of the things you'll talk to, you talk to parents and we'll take your kiddo's name as an, as an example, the typical household with a child with ADHD, it goes like this. Amir, 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 Amir. It's literally, it's constant. And it wears the parent out and it wears the kid out. So then you have a child that's received a significant amount of either discipline or redirection that possibly could have been treated and isn't receiving all of this. Right. So there are a few categories, as I understand from your book, for treatment. You want to kind of touch on those different categories? Okay. So one of the things that everybody automatically usually goes to is talking about medication. And one of the things that's important to remember is medication has a place, but it's not the only treatment for ADHD. And so I want people to know that so that they're not afraid to get a child evaluated. There are times where that may be the best option, but there's more to treatment than just medication. So Mm -hmm. there can be things such as behavioral therapy, where you're looking at strategies to help the child manage their behavior. You'll do things even in a school setting, like move the child's seat so they're closer to the teacher so they have a better eye line with the teacher. Um, Also, so then they don't have as much temptation to talk to other kids because they're in the front. Um, Then also that puts the teacher in a better position to be able to help them if they don't understand something or need to ask a question. You'll see like even in the book, we have a chore chart and an activities chart, which helps the child organize. And one of the things you'll see with kids with ADHD is they have a tough time organizing. So another part of the treatment is helping helping them organize, such as you help them pack their things. They You get feedback back from the teacher every day of what they need to do. The teacher actually sends what the homework is with the child instead of the child having to just remember it on their own. Right. Just a lot of extra communication, knowing if a child needs more time, looking at ways to help them cope or strategize. One thing we often will say is single step commands. That basically means instead of saying, hey, why do don't this, you go? this, that, and the third. Yes. <laughs> it's just do this. Right. And, and then, then come back. That, and then you go do that. Right. And then they do that and you're like, do the third. Right. So it's breaking it down so they don't have so much to remember at one time. Um, other treatments include naturally you want to make sure any child has healthy nutrition, mm-hmm. that they're eating some real food that a chemistry degree is not needed to read. Right. That in- includes fruits and vegetables and a, a wide variety of food so that, you know, number one, that they're nourished to actually think, uh, make sure they're getting enough sleep, mm-hmm. um, have the children on a schedule. And a routine. So you need to have structure that, especially for these children, you don't want a situation where everything's kind of willy-nilly for a kid that can't organize to begin with. Right. You just described everything <laughs> that goes on here. Everything you just <laughs> said, you just described how we shape the classroom with help from the teachers, how we perform here at the house, it, we get down to single step commands. Uh, we... Uh, got into this behavior uh, cycle from reading a couple books um, that weren't 
as approachable as your book, but I believe they were called, I'm going to mess the names up. There were, there were two books. One's called like uh, delivered to distraction. And the other one's like delivered from distraction or something like that. And it's about, have you heard of these? I have not actually heard of these. Uh, I'll have to look them up. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, they're books made for people. The first one is informa- information about ADHD and, you know, kind of telling what it is. And the other is now, now that you know what you needed to know, here's how to cope. Here's coping strategies for, uh, for dealing with that. And, and, you know, as much as we've gone through this stuff with Amir, I find that I, I go through some of the stuff already. I'm, I'm certain that I've got some level of ADHD just from the amount of coping that I do with inability to stay in one zone very long. For real? Oh, yeah. For, stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'll have like multiple workstations around the house. I'll have my laptop in one place. I'll have a book that I'm reading over there. I'll have a, a notebook or something. I was writing notes for a certain project over there. And so, you know, for me, I have to stay productive. It's a thing with me. I don't like a whole lot of downtime. So when I feel like I hit a wall with a project, I'll just switch stations. And so just keep keeping my, my ability. And of course, as you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of crap food here. And, you know, we're going to there's going to be a whole lot of activity in terms of training and living a healthy lifestyle. It's a big deal, which is back to the point why I love this book, because a lot of the things that we believe uh, you touch on in this book. And now I want to take you forward to the next part, because you are you described me very well in in this book. I see myself too much. When my son was little. I saw it coming and I made the assumption, I said, if I take him in, they're going to try to drug him. They're going to try to give him Ritalin. That's all they do. To, that's all they do to these minority children. You know, they, they put them on pills. And, you know, me, I'm so anti-medication. I mean, you know this about me. So I was always super concerned. Like, let's say he, he does have ADHD. I need to do cut that slice of the pie out, the medication side out, and do everything else. Everything, no matter what. And it could have been a mistake. It may very well be a mistake. We'll see. I don't know. My concerns are, how will my son adapt and cope as an adult in the world if he doesn't embrace the shaping of the environment and all the things we do here at home that we kind of do for him when he's off on his own as an adult? And that's my biggest concern. So I'm just trying to move us on to the medication question, which is, are the medications safe? What are your views on the medications the medication side of treatment for ADHD? Well, I'll tell you what I, what I tell my patients. My belief in medications is minimal medication for maximum effect. Mm-hmm. If someone doesn't need any medicine, I am fine. I don't want to give it to them because anything that did not start in your body can have some level of side effect. Naturally, we try to utilize things that have limited side effects, but there's really, most of the time, there's no guarantee that nobody will have none. You know, unless it's something super minor like melatonin or something mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, I take the decision to use med- medication very seriously. And the other thing is that even in the realm of medication, there are multiple types of medications. And most of the time people are most familiar with stimulants, which is what Ritalin is. But there are also a couple of medications that are non-stimulant. One of the reasons stimulants are probably so popular is, number one, They've been out long enough that a lot of them are cheap. Okay. 
but they were popular even before they were cheap, partially mm-hmm. because out of all of the medications we use for ADHD, and ironically, most of the medicines we use in mental health, these are the ones that are your high percentage batters. It's like it's like if you need a home run, go pick you up right. a stimulant. Go to a stimulant, right. Be, because it's just, I look at it this way, that we have a few different medications. Um, we'll contrast it against, there's something called Stratera or Atomoxetine. It came out quite a few years ago. The The onset of action is more similar to an antidepressant. It takes three to four weeks to kick in. When it works, it's magic because it's around the clock. So you don't end up with the situation with stimulants. They go in, they come out. The good thing is they go in immediately and come out. The bad thing is they go in immediately and they come out. So a lot of times with stimulants, someone will take it. Everything is great. Usually the best hours of their medication was when they were at school. Right. And then the afternoon comes, it wears off and you're back to square one and you're Mm. either given boosters or just kind of managing through the latter part of the day, which includes homework time, typically meal time and bedtime. And then also because they take the medicine in the morning, there's going to be a slush time in the morning when you're trying to get your kiddo ready for school where they're unmedicated. The thing about stimulants is I'd say loosely, you know, you're usually going to get some 80 to 90% of the time. Most of the time, if you get someone a stimulant, it may not, it may not be a full rock star, but you're usually going to get something. Right. So one of the reasons they're so popular is because they're very predictable. Mm -hmm. You take Stratera, that sucker is kind of like you bet about forty percent with it, uh, and the the downside with it is you have to wait three to four weeks to know whether you're going to get something or you get nothing. I see. You there's not a good predictor of who any of these are going to work for. So there's not a predictor to say, oh, this one is in average. Oh, this person's going to do good on Stratera. This person will do good on Adderall. This one's going to do well on Intuitive. It you just have to make an educated decision. So the thing that happens with Stratera is sometimes people are afraid to wait three to four weeks to figure out if you're going to just bat a goose egg. Um, And the other thing is it's still not as covered as well on insurances as stimulants. Let me ask you about another thing that's a stigma I find to be a stigma in, in our community, the idea of an IEP. Can you talk at all about IEPs? And 504 plans, just what they are and how you feel about them? So one thing I feel about them is, especially being a child psychiatrist, they are gold. Um, Part of the reason they are gold is it's kind of like if you're sitting talking to Ray Ray and you're like, hey, Ray Ray, you know, will you fix my kitchen up? And they're like, yeah. They may or may not come they may or may not fix your kitchen they may or may not do a good job Mm. you basically had a handshake agreement okay an iep or 504 is an official agreement by the school to do things to help your child okay so with without an iep or 504 it's very difficult to hold the school accountable for doing anything you know naturally a child typically has to have a certain level of impairment to have one of those. But it's like, if your kid's really having problems, those are gold because that's how you get people to actually do something. So a 504 tends to be a lot more informal. 
than an IEP. IEPs are, are more formal than a 504. So a 504 has some teeth, and IEP has a whole mouthful and your wisdom teeth. Okay. So, um, and to get usually an IEP, the school has to do testing. Um, and one of the tips we put in there is that for a lot of school systems, to trigger it and to make sure it gets done, you have to request it in writing. Now, this can be a handwritten, scrawled note saying, please test my child. Right. Please evaluate my child. It doesn't have to be some typed up, sophisticated situation. But you request it in writing, and then the school has to test the child. And the reason why it's good to go through some of these systems is to get this testing done independently can be quite expensive, and a lot of people don't have the money to pay for it mm-hmm. independently. And then you need the school to be able to enforce it and for you to be able to hold them accountable because what you typically do is you have at least yearly IEP meetings where you go through the entire IEP. And the thing is, is for a child to have an IEP or a 504, there are times when children have those and they're more for difficulties, but even not necessarily even a diagnosis. Um, and then one of the things we also touch upon is that there are numerous kinds of programs that are kind of funded by special ed. Mm-hmm. So we talk about the fact that even gifted programs sometimes come through there. But one of the other reasons you want your child tested is that one of the things and we call the, when we're trying to decide what someone has and we look at all the possibilities, the fancy medical term is differential. So, you know, if you want to impress somebody, say, you know, I have a differential or what's the differential diagnosis, and then you're going to sound like a doctor. <laughs> so when, when you're looking at it, one of the things on there is also whether or not a child is gifted. Because if a child is gifted and they're bored, they may not pay attention. They may get fidgety. Right. They may get frustrated. So the other reason to have the child tested is you want to make sure it's not an issue that your kid is gifted. Because so- if your kid is gifted, then they need another set of resources. Right. IEP stands for what? Individualized educational plan. I'm looking for the, the piece in here about the causes for ADHD. And the book mentions that it's a result of a chemical imbalance in the brain, but it doesn't mention that it's necessarily genetic or is it, am I getting that wrong? There can be a genetic component. Okay. Um, it's, it's not always a situation where, the parents or family members have it, but it is common for it to run in families. Um, it can be up to around 25% of parents have that condition also. So it can run in fa- families and sometimes it doesn't. Okay. I was wondering and, if it was like behavior modeling or is it, you know, I guess not. If it's, if it's chemical imbalance, it's not, it's not yeah. environmental necessarily. I wouldn't say it's definitely behavior modeling, but, you know, I think that goes back to why you need a really good assessment, Mm. because there are so many things that can show up. If you look at some of the key features of inattention um, and hyperactivity and even some mood dysregulation, if you look at those, you know, a child that is having trauma reactive behavior and has been exposed to trauma, be it abuse, be it domestic violence, be it violence in their neighborhood, or just feeling being in a neighborhood or environment that just feels unsafe. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not their household, that it's, you know, like the, the child that has to take the bus or walk through a gang infested neighborhood to get to school. 
you know, so you have trauma reactive behavior that can look like that. You know, if you have a chaotic household, children can react to the chaos in the environment. So it's not always direct modeling, but it's that's one of the reasons you need to look at a wide variety of things, which is why, you know, on the front lines, a lot of times teachers may identify that there may be a problem, but an assessment does not begin and end in this with the with the teacher or you know the person monitor the school monitor or the hall monitor because there can be other things that cause it like a a depressed child may have poor attention some emotional ability some impulsivity an anxious child is going to have poor attention too so it's looking at all of those things so and some of those can be familial also okay last question you have two incredibly well thought out and helpful books on the market. What is the change that you hope you'll see in the world as a result? Um, one of the changes is that people have more c- comfort having the conversation um, with themselves, with their families, with their communities, that people start feeling comfortable having these conversations, but also asking questions. Mm. And one of the things we put in the first book is there's actually a chapter that is specifically devoted to questions you ask your doctor. Because one of the biggest things we want from this is for people to feel empowered so that they can advocate for themselves and their loved ones. And realizing that these books are tools, not only that can be used by one person, but they can be used by the people that love them or interact with them. So family members that are trying to get their family member help, family members that are going in with their family or close friends to support them and need to know what's going on so that they can help ask the right questions. Um, Community people such as first responders, people in the clergy or in church or community organizations that are going to run into folks that just need help, but also to be able to help themselves. So, you know, the first thing is empowerment. The second is have these conversations. Um, The third thing is be in a place that we can be healthier as a people and get the help we need so that we can have the life we deserve and not be sitting struggling in silence, either trying to fix it ourselves or just freaking miserable. Right. Awesome. Dr. Erica Goodwin and Global Health Psychiatry. The book is How Amari Learned to Love School Again. I highly recommend it. Uh, Thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing the information you have. Thanks, Erica. I appreciate it. Thanks. Can I tell them where to find the book? How do we find the book? (laughs) So the book is available. All of our books are available on Amazon. And the other thing is you can go to our website for more information and also to order. What's the website? Our website is www.ghpsychiatryspelledout.org, www.ghpsychiatry.org. And you can also follow us on social media platforms at ghpsychiatry.